You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Wednesday edition. We switch things up today. We're doing our Twitter Tuesday, our two-minute drill here on the Wednesday program because we had to cover all of the coaching and GM vacancies yesterday around the league, which there are numerous, but there is one less GM job as of today. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me. At Williamson NFL is where you can find my co-host, Matt Williamson. How are you midweek already, uh, Matt, on this is it Tuesday or Wednesday today? What day is it? It's Wednesday, it's right? Wednesday. Okay, yeah, God. I was thinking, man, how did it become Wednesday already? I feel like uh, those <laughs> that week seventeen just ended, but yeah, we we are already hump day in it here uh, as uh, as the playoffs get very close. We're gonna start breaking those playoff games down very heavily starting tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, tomorrow we will have Chris on as usual talking, um, you know, all the games, which is great. I mean, triple headers on back to back days, so. I kind of feel like the ga- the week's getting away from me a little already. Like I've given these games a lot of thought. I'm super excited about it. I'll be in, you know, basically from this point on, it's going to be full bore going that direction, thinking about the matchups and whatnot. But you, you said that is it Tuesday or Wednesday? And I kind of take a double take too. Like, boy, I feel like I'm a day behind. I better get, I better get after it. Yeah, and and with my 49ers podcast here on the network, by the way, Locked On 49ers, tell a friend, uh, I yeah. usually record night before and put it up the next day, so I'm usually operating in a in a Wednesday, recording Tuesday, Wednesday's podcast on Tuesday kind of thing, so I don't, yeah, don't yeah. really know what day it is half the time anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're there for me to confirm that. It is, in fact, Wednesday today, and the Houston Texans have hired Nick Casario as their general manager. Casario's been one of the top guys under Bill Belichick in New England for quite a while. So many, I mean, coaches, front office people, so many people exit for better jobs from New England under Bill Belichick. That's just uh, what's been going on with that program for 20 years. And now the latest one and officially gets to run his own team now in Houston. Nick Casario for the Texans. How are you feeling about that one? He's kind of been in the news on the lists and all those things now for a while. It seems like for 10 years, you know, I mean, like when Vrabel and McGinnis were there. I mean, it just seems like this guy's always been mentioned as a very important member behind the scenes with Belichick. And it's always hard. You know, Belichick does such a good job or I don't know if good's even the word uh, and hiding might not even be the word of, but his assistants don't talk. The behind the scene people don't talk hard to get information out of that building, obviously, but his reputation is very, very strong. And I'm sure he's going to instill some sort of Patriot way, you know, and clearly Houston Likes that direction. I mean, Bill O'Brien comes from that tree. Romeo Cornell from that tree. I mean, uh, the Houston ownership group certainly has great respect and is pattering themselves after the Patriots. Are you a little bit worried about the recent Patriots drafts and hiring the guy away that's, you know, that's had a big role in that? I know Bill has final say on on the roster, but the Patriots drafts recently, we've talked about how bad the Patriots roster is this year. Uh, The biggest story about why the Patriots are bad right now, obviously a big chunk of that is losing one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest in Tom Brady, but the rest of the roster is awful. So uh, a little bit of a, a surprise that you know, Casario, and, and I I think it was 2019, they tried to hire him before in Houston, apparently. Um, yeah. And contractually, they could not do that. But, I mean, I, I would it would seem like, as far as the front office goes in New England, some of those, some of the shine 
should have rubbed off a little bit with some of those guys just because of how poorly they've drafted recently and having an all-time great at quarterback can sort of mask those things. It's a great point. Uh, I mean, obviously this the this year aside, and they were only one game under 500, it's the most, you know, the most winning, most successful organization really in the history of the game for the, the, the stretch that they put together. So it's not like they don't know what they're doing. But, and clearly Belichick is, the the czar i mean he's in charge ahead of any of the other people we want to mention so inevitably all the roster things fall to bill and it also falls that he took a bad roster and won seven games with him i mean pretty amazing but i think that's a really good point you know i mean are they great at acquiring talent are they is that what they do well and if i'm hiring a gm that's his number one job obviously you know it's not like here, let's hire Josh McDaniels, and maybe they will do that. Who and give that any thought, or or um, you know, it's one of his disciples, and say, hey, we don't have very good players. Turn them into a good defense, you know. And Miami takes his defensive guy, you know. What I mean, so that's a good point. I mean, they're not great at acquiring talent in New England, that's for sure. It's crazy because is forty five years old. He's been with the Patriots organization for twenty years already. So he's been there wow. through all of that. So he does should get some credit for the good, along with the, recently some of the mm. bad. Um, it's interesting, though, that in Houston, it's like, okay, you tried the Patriot way. It didn't quite work. And guess what? Bill O'Brien couldn't do it. Um, and Nick Casario couldn't do it, which is bring Bill and Tom with you, which is, you know, the biggest key to what's going on with the Patriots. I think we know. And I mean, everyone tries to install the Patriots way. It's kind of working, I guess, in, in Miami for the Dolphins right now. But in a lot of places, it hasn't really worked all that great. So um, still interesting to me that, that Houston wanted to go again to like say, okay, well, we tried the Patriot way once, didn't work with Bill O'Brien. Let's try it again and, and start at the top with yeah. our GM in Nick Casario. So very interesting there in Houston. Hopefully things do turn around for that franchise and for their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, because I want to see him in some playoff games in January. I 100% agree. So, all right, we got a lot of mailbag stuff. Oh, we do. Right? You know what? One quick note on the Browns. We talked a lot yesterday mm-hmm. about the Browns' COVID situation. Good news from Adam Schefter just now before we started recording. No, All other Browns players have tested negative so far. So it's Good. just the Good. one wide receiver who I'm blanking on his name and um, Joel Patonio. Donovan Peoples-Jones. No. And oh, is it Johnson Peoples-Jones? The other I guy. I, I know who you're talking about. No he made a couple plays. Yeah. They're not real deep at receiver to begin with. I forget his name too, but and then and uh, Batonio, Batonio, right? And then uh, Coach Kevin Stavansky and, and a couple other coaches, I think, uh, are on that list. But no other players as of today. So there, everybody else was negative, which is a good sign for the Browns and a good sign for that game actually happening this weekend. Hopefully, nothing else pops up. Um, you know, you also wonder too because they played the Steelers last week. Was there any? You know, could the Steelers have one pop up? And for those who don't realize, I mean, it's a two hour and 15 minute road trip right up the street to Cleveland. So, I mean, there's a big outbreak right now in Cleveland probably isn't much different here. I mean, I don't know that we're out of the woods yet. Is all I'm saying. No, good point there. And you hope close contacts don't develop it in Cleveland or teams they played recently or other teams around the league, hoping Alvin Kamara and the entire running back group of the New Orleans saints is able to come back. We don't see new cases popping up within other teams that are in the playoffs because that's the last thing the NFL wants right now is uh, to go through that during the playoffs and they don't have any more weeks to be throwing extra games out or moving things around they got all 256 the games played in the regular season praying that that can also happen in the postseason and that none of these contests are completely screwed up and become laughable because a team is completely undermanned all of a sudden midweek going into a playoff game now though it is time for 
your questions. Let's dip into this mailbag a little off-season, post-season, two-minute drill, Matt. We've got questions about the playoffs. We've got questions about draft picks, what some teams will do. Quarterbacks is going to be a huge conversation leading all the way up until April. That's coming up next here on Peacock and Williamson. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Quick reminder, Chris Raybon of the Action Network will be joining us to break down all the betting angles on this weekend's playoff games. Tomorrow, Matt and I will be previewing them all and making our picks for Wild Card weekend, Saturday and Sunday. But let's crack open these tweets, Matt, and start it off with RJ on Twitter. He says, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, which is, by the way, where to find us on Twitter. Is there sure. any chance the New York Jets keep Sam Darnold and protect him with Panay Sewell with the number two pick, along with Becton on the other side? What do you think about that? Sticking with Darnold and trying to draft the best non-quarterback in the draft if you're the New York Jets. And that pairing of Penny Sewell and Makai Becton, is that too much of your resources to be put on your offensive tackles? It's a very interesting conversation because... A couple things about that are, first of all, I'm a, I'm a Darnold truther. I mean, there's some guys like Wentz and Darnold that I, it takes me a while to fall off that bandwagon. So, and he hasn't exactly been raised great. I mean, he's had a tough environment, but he hasn't been good either. I mean, frankly, um, I sent a tweet out, I think it was late Sunday night saying, here's my hunch. I think it's going to go Lawrence Sewell to the jets. And then the, Dolphins just trade a ransom for a team owning quarterbacks. And that was just a hunch, but it was an educated one because back in my ESPN days, I would go to the senior bowl with Todd McShay and he is very close with Joe Douglas. They were on the same um, college football team. So they're good buddies. And just being around Joe at a couple watering holes and stuff at those nights would be like, this guy loves the trenches. And we saw that this off season. So I think he could be allured by, yeah, I'll take Ogden and Pace as my back as my tackles for the next 12 years. I mean, that's a pretty nice foundation of bookends. But then just now, like an hour ago, I was listening to the first draft podcast with Todd and Mel, and Todd basically said, Hey, so I mean, I'm paraphrasing, I consider Todd a friend, that hey, and it's no secret that Joe and I are buddies. We played college football together. And he and Todd basically said, I think Joe is going to move out of number two and go with Darnold and tr entertain some offers from quarterback needy teams and or the Bengals to get the two to get Sewell. And 
end up taking like Jamar Chase or somebody like takes uh, some weapon and just keep adding draft picks. And they have so many picks over the next two drafts that they could be a very different team soon. But Todd, who I trust in this situation more than anyone, really thinks Darnold will be the quarterback for the Jets. And I have no problem with that, honestly. Is he a, be different if, if you had the first overall pick? I'd take Lawrence and Harpy. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think I would probably move on and just start with the new quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, Joe Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold. And the new mm-hmm. coach didn't draft whoever they end up with didn't draft Sam Darnold. So they would probably have to do some evaluations there. They have plenty of time to do that until April and figure out if they want to roll with Darnold because he's obviously shown some flashes, but there's a lot of bad on tape as well. Yeah. Or do they want to just start fresh with their own guy because he's getting close to his fifth-year option, and uh, you have to start making some decisions pretty soon on Darnold, and if you can get maybe a pick from another team, that would make that a lot easier, and you can still do what you need to do in the draft, and they have some extra picks. So I would probably lean the other way, but that's interesting because yeah. if there's somebody that might have some inside info, it would be someone who uh, has personal knowledge of the guy who's making those picks in New York. Sure. And that doesn't mean it's I mean, they're still probably kicking it around. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that the Jets have made that decision yet. And certainly have more work to do on fields. And what if what if Fields tears the place apart on Monday night? You know, yeah. has another game like he just did. Well, maybe just take him. To me, when it comes to Sewell, I just don't see it at pick two. Pick two has to be a quarterback. And essentially Sam Darnold has to become picks if if you're moving away from sam darnold he becomes a draft pick you draft a quarterback at two if you go with sam darnold you trade the second pick because that has to be a quarterback for somebody it's just more valuable to the jets if the second pick is a quarterback for them or somebody else and then you're picking another player if sewell's still there after you trade down okay jamar chase uh, whatever wide receiver whatever position you want to go with if you're choosing sam darnold you get picks for two if you're choosing two you're getting picks for sam darnold He's he came into the league very young. Like Joe Burrow is older than Sam Darnold. Yes. I mean, that, that might startle people. And they're in the building every day with Sam. I mean, that's the case with every anytime you move away from a quarterback. And just think this year you have more or less information on the incoming rookie class than ever, too. You know, like Fields only played what six games before the playoffs. So maybe you take the bird in the hand this year more than most years. Yeah, and a guy like Trey Lance played one right, season played one. in D2, right? So th- that's going to be difficult. That's why he's going to be the clear number four, just because there's so much more guesswork with him, even though physically it's like, oh my gosh, he's got the arms, got the athleticism, as all these top four quarterbacks do. But the collection of work they've put together in college, it does make this draft a lot more difficult, a lot more of a crapshoot. We could see some steals later to go along with some busts early. So that'll be fun. And one other note about drafting an offensive tackle here, right? we have to move along, but yeah, I got one note too. When, when you build, <laughs> when you build, a team and you're, you're building position groups, putting a bunch of high end draft picks on one position group can make you good there, but it also makes you very expensive there. Like if you hit on mm-hmm. both those guys, are you going to pay 40 plus million dollars a year for just two players on your offensive line? You know, what does that do for paying the rest of your roster? Cause eventually you're hoping to pay a bunch of really good players. So that's the other thing is like you almost have to spread at, spread the wealth when it comes to building a roster. If you put too much resources in the draft on one position group, now you got to pay that position group four years later. That's a great point, and we're not doing a good job of moving along, but I have two things to add to that then is, <laughs> you know, Becton would come up the year before Penn A, and let's say Penn A is a little bit better. They're both awesome. Well, then you, then you give him three or four million more, and the whole locker room knows it, and Becton goes, well, you know, aren't I just as good? And, well, not quite. And you know, it's not necessarily great for the locker room and for the relationship just because everybody knows these things. And the last thing I want to throw out there, because I meant to to mention this on the pod before, talking about Trey Lance and talking about how young Sam Darnold is, how about this nugget? Trey Lance, 
is going to be the first NFL football player born in the 2000s. Does that make you oh, feel old? Oh, that is a great nugget. That makes me feel extremely old. When you go to the, <laughs> right. when you go to uh, the liquor store and it says you must be this age to buy alcohol and it's in the 2000s now, that freaks me out. That is weird. He's like, wow. oh, yeah, looking, yeah, looking at your ID is like, oh, I saw a one on your ID, so I know that you're at least 21. That makes me feel extremely old. That is crazy. And that's a great Trey Lance nugget. Finally, uh, prospects that are born in the 2000s will be entering the NFL. Wow. And yeah, I, I, I remember feeling really old back when I subscribed to Playboy like everybody always did. And the first centerfold was born in 1990. I saw I was like, wow, <laughs> I might have to stop getting Playboy. oh that's amazing yeah and it takes quarterbacks a while too so uh being a redshirt sophomore being 20 years old entering entering the league i mean there's a lot of grown men in the league so it definitely can take a while which is a great point on sam darnold shifting to jordan on twitter talking about the philadelphia eagles half the takers say bring it 100 and tanking is a shameful for players the other half says sixth overall is better than ninth overall what do the players think? Why does, should their perspective even matter? That's from Jordan. Let's see here. Well, I will say that the players, so we've got some conflicting reports now from players. Um, yeah. Yesterday, Miles Sanders was on, I think, a radio hit, and he said that everybody on the sidelines like, what the hell is going on? This is BS. And he was pretty frank about it. And I thought, wow, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's how I would have figured they would have felt. But today, Jason Kelsey had a statement on social media that said, Essentially, we knew the plan earlier in the week that Nate was going to play, that uh, that Doug wanted him to play, and uh, Kelsey went up to Peterson during the game after he heard that Sudfeld was going in. He's like, is this true? He's going in? And he's like, yeah, we, we want to see him in there. We want to get him some time. We think he's earned it. And he said, okay. And he went back with Nate Sudfeld and, and worked on snapping him the ball a little bit and got the linemen together, worked on the cadence a little bit. They did fumble a snap later. But he said that uh, they knew that was the plan. They trust Sudfeld. They've worked with him for four years. They believe they could win with him. And so uh, Kelsey was actually not upset about it. I don't know if he was keeping the company line, trying to uh, help the franchise out by saying something like that. Um, he said it was. He did. He said it was a little odd. I know the timing with what was going on in the game, but it sounded like he wasn't upset about it. One of the leaders in the locker room there, even though. A couple of weeks later, he had a really passionate speech to reporters at the podium talking about how uh, it's not the time to evaluate. You always want to win. It's always about winning. You're never quitting. You're never just putting guys in to evaluate. So he's contradicting his own self, which makes me think uh, he was definitely uh, kind of toting the PR line in his latest statement. I don't know. What do you think about that situation with the Eagles? Everything you just said. I, I totally agree. Kelsey doesn't seem like the type. Him and his brother are both outspoken. And to really toe the company line, but it's a couple days after the fact, and maybe realize it's the best for the greater good and for the team, and throw some water on this fire a little bit. But watching the game, it angered me as a purist and as a fan. Yeah. And just reading the Eagles team body language, they didn't look happy at all about it. So you can say what you want, but I think the truth is more of what Sanders said. Yeah, I agree. And you're out you're competing. You're out there trying. <laughs> that was one of the things Kelsey yeah. said, though, too, was that uh, his question after hearing Sedfeld was going in is like, OK, well, are the rest of us going back in? And he's like, yeah, everyone's going. Right, okay. right. <laughs> you can pull us all or right. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly it was a not, we're not trying to win this game the most move. I mean, I, that is obviously clear that that was not the intention of the team was Nate Sedfeld's going to go win the game for us. That's why we're putting him in. 
and it's not like you have Brady Breeze, Ben Rogers, you know, that you know who your quarterback is, and let's play the young guy to get him some snaps. You pulled the young guy. You pulled the guy that you need to see the most snaps with. If it was pulling right. Wentz for Hurd, that would have made complete sense. Right. If it's Wentz not like, boy, passing. we think Nate's going to compete for the starting job next <laughs> yeah. year. And one of the things that people will point to was like, well, look, Hurt was only, uh, Hurts was what, 7 of 20 at that time. It was like, yeah, but he scored the only touchdowns of the game. Like, and they didn't score any more touchdowns after they took him out. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was obvious tanking and I didn't like it. Same. Mr. Controversy himself says, you guys were talking about the frustration with a 7-9 and team getting to host a playoff game, but you still want division winners to get a spot. Easy fix. You get a spot in the playoffs if you win your division. Once you get to the playoffs, reseed it. What do you think about that? It's not bad. You know, I mean, okay, you know, I guess the, the concession is Washington gets a playoff game, even though they're not one of the best seven teams in the NFC, but you're the seven seed. Is that basically what he's saying here with the question? Yeah, so re- essentially, okay, good. You won the division, so you got into the playoffs, but now we're going to reseed it. So now you're right. You're the you're the last seed in the playoffs if if that's what your record says you are. So that way you're not hosting a playoff game. So sort of a sort of a middle ground there. I would still say just don't you don't get to go, you don't get to make the playoffs unless you're uh, five hundred. I th- I disagree on that one. I, I think division winners deserve to go, but it's I don't feel super strong about it. With this question, is he saying also, well, let's say, you know, you're NFC West. There's a 12 and four team and a 13 and three team, and they're the best two records. Should they be the one and two seeds? Yeah, yeah, he's saying reseed the whole thing. So uh, division winners do get in, but then you reseed for record for uh, the playoffs, which I'm I'm not I'm not against that. I kind of like that. I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Sort of along the lines of the question we had earlier about the Jets, should Miami draft a quarterback again? Could you see any teams trading for Tua? Rams, 49ers, Saints, Colts, Broncos, maybe trading for Tua, then they draft a quarterback at three. What do you think? This is from CNick93 on Twitter. Yeah, we hear this a lot, and you bring this up from time to time, and I think it's something you have to consider because the direction the Dolphins are going, you're not going to, most likely, unless disaster happens, you're not going to pick this early again for a while. You know, I mean, this looks like a, a quality team that should be 500 or better and continue to get better. So this might be your last chance. I don't like what I've seen from Tua, but I was pretty high on him coming out of Bama. I mean, let's not forget that. And I don't think his supporting cast has been wonderful. And he wasn't a check down you know, check down Charlie at Alabama. I understand it's easier to throw to Ruggs and Devontae Smith and all those guys too and be protected. So I'm not sure that's who he is. You know, we just had the Darnold conversation about, you know, moving on too early. I tend to think that you just build around the guy. And again, it'd be different if it was Lawrence. And maybe I need to do more Wilson Fields, Lance homework and to be blown away by those guys. But particularly this year, I think I take the bird in the hand. You have to at least do the evaluations. And if you oh, think yeah. there's a star there, you owe it to your franchise to draft him. That's the way I look at it. And um, and it's too early for Tua. I think that's definitely fair to say. And you talked about his supporting sure. gas. I don't think anybody on his offense, as far as the skill guys, would have started at Alabama, period. Maybe, no. I mean, Devontae Parker, was he? is he fifth on the depth chart? Maybe third or fourth? 
wide receiver out at right, Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and Devontae Parker, Parker was a, was a first round draft pick. And I, I think Ruggs and Judy and Devontae Smith, congratulations, just won the Heisman at wide receiver. And Jalen Waddle is going to be another first round wide receiver. Would he be in front of those guys? Might not be in front of any of them. So that's what he went from the best to the, the worst practically with skill position guys. So Tua definitely needs some time, but you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your franchise to do the work on the quarterbacks because that position is so impactful and the Cardinals aren't unhappy that they spent two top 10 picks on quarterbacks and got one guy. Um, I, I look right. at the team I cover, the 49ers. They've had, since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over, they've had six first round draft picks. They've had two first rounders twice. I would trade all six of those first round draft picks. That includes Nick Bosa for say Deshaun Watson, right? So right. it doesn't matter how many picks it takes, get quarterback right. If you get a star there, get a star because if they pass on a star player and two is not great, what's that going to look like for Miami in a couple of years? No, you're right. And then at that point you could absolutely be in purgatory because you have a good roster and a good coach and you're winning eight, nine games and you Kirk cousins it through. And you know, then it's tough to go get your guy. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, we all loved Tua just six months ago though. I would definitely would not move on just to move on, but it has to be that you do the evaluations, you're like, man, this guy is a star. We like him way better than we liked Tua last year. We like him better than we like Burrow. You know, that kind of thing. You would then have you to, have to do it. And then you 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 just kind of have to do it because of the position. And then you can get something for Tua, I think, too. That's another thing if teams are calling. So, yeah, that's the other part of his question is who, who'd come calling for Tua. And I think some teams definitely would. And it would be much like we saw with uh, with Arizona where – you, you know, maybe you get a second round pick and, and that makes that decision probably easier because now you get a second rounder and you may, and you think you probably got a better quarterback. But again, this is not on Tua. Tua deserves time. He deserves a lot more time. Get him more talent. That's likely the way this is going to go for Miami. If the Saints pick at the end of the first round, would you give up that first for Tua? Ooh, I kind of like the Saints. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. I think if you are the Dolphins, you're asking for a pick between 20 and 50. You know, somewhere yeah. in there, and and I think the Saints I bet would Peyton be, would like them in a oh, dome. That's a great fit. Team them up. I could absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. One. I mean, would if you were in charge of the Niners, to give up your first for Tua? Probably not the first, but the second for sure. You do yeah. the second, definitely right. worth the second. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm the Steelers. You know, I'm thinking about teams. You yeah. know, that we're close to. Oh, you know, the Steel- and that's a way. Number one. That's a way for a team that's good at the end of the first round to be like, man, this is a guy we really liked in the draft. He shouldn't be available right now. Due to these circumstances, we could get our quarterback of the future and not have to spend that top five pick and and hopefully not be in a situation to have a top five pick if we do it correctly and get that quarterback in. Yeah. New England comes to mind, but they're both AFC East, you know. Right. They wouldn't trade him. Bill would call Nick and say, should I trade for Tua? And Nick says yes. And they say, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, all right, more of your questions coming up. Looking over some of the props at betonline.ag. There's some good ones. I think we have to cover some of those later in the week. The playoffs are here. Super excited about all six games this weekend. The National Championship College Football Game NBA in full swing for the 2021 season. And Bet Online has you covered for all of the action. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Rams, Seahawks for the third time this season. Bills hosting the Colts. I think the Bills have the most helium going into this tournament right now. If I had to pick a, a team, I, I might pick Buffalo. Love the way they're playing. And that's just Saturday. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Our good buddy and frequent tweeter into the show, Go Pats, says, Hey, Matt, Kamara, is he the best overall running back in football, particularly in today's game where the ability in the passing game is key? As an aside, perhaps another Saints back, Reggie Bush, came out 15 years too soon to be used how Kamara is today. Bush may have been more talented. Your thoughts? Interesting call on Bush. Yes, he came out too soon. I also don't remember Bush being as physical as Kamara, bouncing off tackles, mm-hmm. running between the tackles, contact balance, you know, the, the strength and thickness that Kamara has. I think, I want to hear your opinion on this too, BP, but I think the best runners of the football in the league are, you know, when you just hand it to them, are probably Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and maybe Dalvin Cooks in that conversation. But to this question, who's the best RB in the league? I would be torn between Kamara and McCaffrey. Just don't forget about the guy out of sight, out of mind. And let's throw Saquon Barkley's name. It's yeah. in the ring. I mean, it, it, he was pretty good. Yep. Uh, I would have all the those great receiving backs in there first. And of the non-receiving type backs, then pro- you got to start with Derrick Henry because what he's doing is, is pretty phenomenal. Right. But um, Kamara is if I'm trying to win a football game tomorrow because the other couple guys you mentioned there are hurt, then definitely Kamara is the guy I'm putting on my my team because he can run inside, he can run outside, he can catch the football for you, modern day running back, do everything you need to in a modern day offense with Alvin Kamara. And yeah, the, the difference between Kamara and Bush I think is not insignificant. Kamara is so good between the tackles and slips tackles and is balanced and can take a hit here and there. Bush was like, let's just bounce everything outside and and, and yeah. run around Fresno State. And the NFL didn't work quite as well. And he, I mean, he had a nice career and he was fine. He, did, he would have a much better career, I think, now than he did when he came out because they wanted to treat him like a, you know, a bell cow running back as everyone was treated back then, but he would have been a much better player to be used in more of a Camara role. But I think Camara is clearly better than Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was one of the more overrated guys. And I kind of, I said that back. I mean, I had a college radio show back in the day during that draft. And and we definitely argued about that draft. And my, uh, my co-host thought I was insane saying that Reggie Bush was not the, should not be the number one pick of the draft. I actually compared him to Eric Metcalf back in the day. So uh, yeah, I yeah. was never the biggest fan of Reggie Bush because I was like, look, dude, you don't run around people in the NFL like you did against Fresno State and just bounce everything outside just because your team's more talented. And uh, and Bush, I, I don't want to you know crap on Reggie Bush's career because he was a good player and had a nice career and would definitely have a better career. I think in today's NFL, it would be a, a pretty dynamic you know returner and, and third down style back that could give you a little bit on early downs as well but Kamara to me is completely clearly more complete and a better player yeah I, I mean uh, the other one the ones you should really mention is not Bush are Falk Tomlinson mm, Waters mm-hmm. even back to your boy Roger Craig you know I mean imagine they all came they got great production in the passing game and were way ahead of their time so I don't know if they came out too early because they were awesome but, you know, their their abilities in the passing game were way ahead of their time. Oh, man, what Tomlinson could do today with the way they move oh. running backs around, too, on top of what he already did as a 2,000-yard runner and a receiver, I mean, that would be fantastic. Marshall and Marshall Falk, too, right. that would be dynamic. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, now he's in the slot. What are we going to do? Right, right. He's running go-ruts out of the slot yeah. like he's Tyreek Hill. You so know? those guys were ahead of their time and sort of set the stage for what teams are now doing with right. guys like Alvin Kamara. This one from Joshua. 
he had a few of them, and we did a lot of it yesterday. So thanks for the questions there, Joshua. Numerous questions here. Um, he wants to talk about the Jaguars job. Would the Jaguars job be more or less desirable if the NFL announced that next year the Jaguars would be moving to London? Less. Less, yeah. I think less desirable. <laughs> less. Less desirable. Unless, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe someone like, uh, I don't know, maybe there's a coach that's like, oh, I hate Jacksonville. I don't want to live in, I don't want to live there. You know, I want to live in a big city. I want to live in a big market. Then maybe it'd be like, okay, maybe this could potentially be a massive thing. And then maybe I'd, you know, maybe they want to move overseas. I don't know, but I would guess that logistically and, and going and playing away games and it'd just be a lot more difficult to have one team in London and everybody else in the States. We should mention it came out early, right before we went to hit record today that Lawrence has said he is coming out. I mean, I guess there was a little bit of that up in the air, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a Jag. He's coming out. I think that's a done deal now. As If the Jaguars switched and became the werewolves of London, I think you'd have a really tough time attracting free agents. Oh, absolutely. It, it just makes everything very difficult. And I understand if the league wants to do that, it's just uh, logistically, it would be, it'd be impossible, right? I, I, I just right. can't see it happening. They, they need to do something else. if they And they already tried NFL Europe. I don't know if they could try to rebrand that. Um, but, man, yeah, I, I just can't see it logistically happening. It's hard enough for teams to go East Coast to West Coast. Right. I mean, every three years, they would have to play the AFC West, and every four years, they'd have to play the NFC West. London to Seattle? Yeah, and, and packing up your family? Like, you're going to sign right. a one-year de- one deal with London and be like, okay, I guess we're moving to London for a year, but then maybe we have to move back? And I, don't, I, just, I just, no. I don't think free agents would want to go. I'm not even sure running back coaches would want to go. Right. Or your strength coach, or you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. People in the organization that are making fifty grand a year, not five million, might be like, eh, I'll stay in the States. And some people may love it. Who knows? But that would be, sure. I think, a very small percentage of the the population of coaches and front office people and players for sure. Yeah. Should the Packers pay Aaron Jones? Or where you see him ending up next year? This is a, I, I, I always say no on this. Don't pay the running back. There's a lot of things you got to pay for in uh, in Green Bay, but Aaron Jones uh, is is a player that deserves to be paid. He just pays a position that I, I personally say, no, don't pay him. And the facts back you up extremely strong. You know, even recent ones, Gurley, Zeke. Um, you know, Devontae Freeman signed a huge deal yeah. for Atlanta for the time. It's Lev almost Bell, instantly. You, know you I mean? signed the second contract, and all of a sudden, where did this player go within, within 12 months? Yeah, and... It used to be, I totally agreed with that. And then I changed my tune and said, well, if he's a great receiver, back to the Kamara argument, then I'm listening because I'm going to call him a weapon and I'm not going to run him into the ground as much. And he has, you know, dual value. But some of those guys I mentioned, you know, Lev Bell was the best receiving back in the league. <laughs> you know, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, it, he kind of paved the way for some of these dudes, him and David Johnson, and they fell off quickly. Zeke Elliott looks like he's falling off a little, but he ended the season kind of strong. But I'm still going to take the cheese and say, yeah, I'm signing Aaron Jones because you're one of the best teams in the league. He's a foundational player, and he's a really good receiver. You know, I mean, Derrick Henry, they're happy with his signing. Is McCaffrey, are they happy with that signing? Are the Saints happy with the Kamara signing? I would think yes, but I guess the real question is, will they in two years from now or a year from now? 
I, was, I didn't think about McCaffrey. McCaffrey, Lee, in, McCaffrey instantly got hurt. He's played one game since, right? Or two <laughs> right. games? How many games did he play this year? Since he signed that deal. And it, it, was a, it was a pretty nasty injury. Obviously, they kept him out the rest of the season. Is that going to affect him? Is he going to be less dynamic, which is the reason you sign a player like that? Even a guy that we just talked about. Like, I'm more down for signing someone who's really good in the passing game, too. And maybe you're treating him like a wide receiver as much as you're treating him like a running back as far as paying somebody. But, um, yeah, again, I just, no, I, I just have to say no. And even the McCaffrey one, I thought with a rebuilding team, the smart thing for the Panthers to do was to trade McCaffrey instead of yeah. paying him, and they did the opposite. No, I hear you. But if Kamara helps the Saints win the Super Bowl this year with an old quarterback and you pay for it down the road, you know, max out your credit cards a little bit, that's worth it. And I love Aaron Jones, but he's not as special as Kamara McCaffrey or in a much different way, Derrick Henry. Don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. It's rough. Be long snappers. Be long snappers. Teach them to throw the ball or kick the ball. It's not like (laughs) a specialist you can play until you're 45. All right. Good stuff, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Apologies if we did not get to yours. Keep them coming. We will have many more two-minute drill mailbag shows throughout the offseason. There's no rules here. We're in charge. We can hit other questions throughout the week if we want to. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to filter in some more questions throughout the week because there's so many good ones out there that I'm seeing here, and we do get so many good questions every week, every day here on the show. So thank you very much for listening, and thanks for hollering at us on Twitter. But it's time to focus a little bit more on these playoff games. We've got a three-pack each day, Saturday and Sunday. Talk about some of the lines and some of the betting angles with Chris on tomorrow's show and make our official picks Friday right here. Peacock and Williamson.